3: Hey guys, it's Kayla. I'm so happy you're able to join us today because we are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s, but surprise, we don't and that's okay. And back by popular demand, we have the lovely Claire Holt joining me today, she is an actress, a mama, an all-around good person. Probably doesn't really need a bio or introduction because you all know and love her as Rebecca McKilson in The Vampire Diaries. You've also seen her in amazing movies and series and all over your TV and in theaters. She is sassy and real. Even though she claims not to be, she seems to have it all figured out. So without further ado, here is my lovely conversation with Claire Holt. And I am here with Claire Holt. Claire, you have been one of our favorite guests throughout the years. I know I announced my pregnancy when you came on for your very first episode, and now, huge congratulations to you!
4: No, I was thinking about it the other day when I came, and I was like a minute away from giving birth, sweaty, enormous. It was. You were I'm a glad I get a chance. <laughs> I was looking back, like, did, did I really look like that? I did. Uh, you we were such a champ, time.
3: and it was so hot outside. And remember the temperature being so hot. Just the fact that you showed up, you were just winning already.
4: Underboob sweat <laughs> and, and the belly sweat. It was. <laughs> you
3: are you are not in LA as we're recording. You are somewhere else. You are elsewhere where I think it's a little bit cooler. And how are you feeling? How's your body? It's time I feel round good. three.
4: Round three. It was definitely my hardest at the beginning, the hardest first trimester. Although I think James is pretty hard, but I've kind of blocked it out. So maybe, maybe like equal to that, but I was really, really sick. And then with morning sickness. And then I got pneumonia as well when I was 11 weeks pregnant. So it was kind of rough, but
3: I we're doing good now. Uh wow that's great I'm so sorry to hear that because I think being pregnant alone is a lot and it's difficult just on the body in so many ways and so I can't imagine also adding pneumonia to that and I'm glad you're okay. No it
4: sucked and you know what I you obviously have to take antibiotics for it which I'd never taken in my other pregnancy so I was like terrified to I was like am I gonna do something to this poor kid because you know it's the first trimester and you know this is this so selfish of me because I need to get better and am I It was like a whole spiral. But anyway, I felt like immediately better after I started taking antibiotics, which was awesome. And I think we're doing good. I don't know. We'll Every time I go see him, he seems fine. So
3: let me tell you, I'm here to let you know you're doing better than good. I see you on socials. I see you everywhere. You are. You make being a mom look effortless and fun and cool and easy. Oh, God,
4: it's not that's a lie then. I'm so so what I,
3: what's so great about you is that you're real and I and I genuinely appreciate that and I mean that because w- listen, we're in this together. All the moms listening, we're all in this together. It is not easy. I want to know what how did you decide on a third because this is such a personal thing, but t- Tanner and I are trying to figure out we have two doing the debate. You know, there's no debate whether you if you have one and you want your child to have a sibling, you know right away you're going to have two. You're going to have two. Now, how do you decide how to have a third? How did you guys decide?
4: It's so funny. I was a hard no. So I had my first two, I think similar to you, very close together. My, they were 17 months apart. And it was like having, for me, I just felt like I had two babies until Elle turned two. And then when she turned two, I was like, okay, we can like go outside. And I'm not worried about like one running into the street and one like, I don't know. Like it, it, it was just constant like... Please don't do anything to hurt yourself until L turn two. And then I was like, oh, wait, I think this is like kind of easy. Do I want a third kid? But I was still like not convinced that I wanted to be pregnant again. And then I had this crazy, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like this hormonal drive earlier this year. It was like, I must procreate. It came out of nowhere. It, re- it was really wild. And my husband had always... Wanted a third, or at least been open to it and said it was my decision. And then, yeah, it was, I guess it was early February this year. And I was like, we're having another kid. Let's go. And he was like, okay, let's do it. And then, you know, I was so fortunate this time around. It was, you know, I got pregnant right away. I'm so excited now because my other two are just beside themselves. Like they're at the age where they know what's going on. When I was pregnant with Al James didn't really know what was going on. Now, you know, they speak to him every day and they kiss my tummy and they tell me they're going to take care of him. And they're so every single day, they're so excited. And like before I put them last night, I was putting Elle to bed and she was like, wait, wait, mom, mom, I didn't kiss the baby. So I have to like run back and hold my shirt up for her to kiss. It's so, so sweet. So I'm really like now that I'm past the, oh my God, what have I done? Like first trimester, I'm, I'm excited, but who knows? Like, I don't know how three is going to be I'm one of four I know that was chaos awesome chaos but I just I just didn't feel like two was enough you know
3: I get it. I'm one of four as well. And I loved the house being full of people. I loved the fact that you didn't need plans. You just kind of showed up. You were at your house and there was so much happening. And I love the idea of creating that. So you're going to have that. And that's amazing. And now I feel like you're convincing
4: me. Do it. Do it. Do it. You have to do it. No, I I need someone there with me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I feel like you develop life skills with like extra children because there's more sharing, there's more fighting, there's more ganging up on each other. There, You just, but you also have these like built-in buddies for life, you kind of don't really need anyone else. No,
3: yeah, it's true, It's you really do. It's like a built-in friend that lives at your house every night's a sleepover. That's what I tell my 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 kids all the time. I'm like, you're lucky, every night's a sleepover. You guys get to sleep together, not in the same room, but like they're all, when I get up, Jones just turned one a few days ago. And so Poppy- Oh, you have
4: time for a third, come on,
3: one. hoi. I know, I know. But Poppy gets into his crib in the morning and she opens his blinds and jumps in his crib. And so when I get in there, they're both together playing and it's the cutest thing. So,
4: yeah. And I'm telling myself it's only going to get better.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think it will. I really think it will. And this time around, you really have pregnancy fashion down. And I I, I really love The Corner by Claire. I think you are so wonderful in how you share not only your you know, sense of fashion and style and all of that, but your wisdom because you have articles on there that I really love reading. I mean that I'm not just saying that because you're talking and we're here together. There's an article you wrote about the guilt of being yourself. I think it's called the guilt of being my own person. And I related to that so much. And not I know I'm not the only one who related to that, all the comments, everything like that. So what makes you choose what you share and what you don't? Because you are so relatable and it's really nice.
4: Thank you. You know, it's hard every time I go to write something that's vulnerable or sharing something personal I think like how is this going to be received should I just keep my mouth shut and then I remember when I had my miscarriage how I shared my experience and it was the most beautiful healing thing that ever happened to me and so I kind of made this commitment that I was going to continue to share parts of my life if I thought that Maybe it would help someone or maybe someone relate to it. And so this article that I wrote about the guilt of being my own person, I've always had this crazy guilt complex that I'm either not a good enough mother or I'm not doing well in my career or I'm not a good wife. I, I just, I feel guilty every time, you know, even if my kids are playing happily in the other room, I'm like, I should be in there engaging with them. You know, I should be the one to take them to the park. It doesn't. And anytime I kind of take time for myself when they're around, I feel selfish and I feel that in a lot of areas of my life, you know, when I'm traveling for work, I used to, like, I still, I admire women so much who have, like, these expansive careers and travel and and maintain that after motherhood. I never look at them and judge them. I never think, like, why aren't you with your kids? But for some reason for me, I'm like, why are you putting yourself first and what you want to do? Why are you not putting everyone else first? And that's crazy. And <laughs> I don't understand why I keep doing it, but it's just... It's the way I feel and I think there's so many women out there feel the same way because we have like historically we've been the caretakers and it is our duty to nurture our family. And if we do anything for ourselves or our career outside of that, it's almost like going against the grain. And for so
3: long, you know, women were the caretakers at home. And now I'm so grateful that we're born in the generation we're born in because we're able to do both. But also that it that can be a burden that we are born in this generation where women are supposed to have, you know, fantastic careers and make a difference, but then also be the mother. And it is does feel I feel like I'm a clown juggling it all. I wish I was an octopus. I wish I had eight arms that could do all these different things. But the truth is, we're not. And that's okay. And I completely understand holding yourself to a different standard than other people. I relate to that 100%. That's what you talk about in the article. And I think, you know, scrolling through all the comments and seeing everyone, so many of us feel that way. And it's so nice to have someone in the public eye that is so relatable and so honest about their life. And what do you think is the key to raising good humans because I think it is difficult and I don't know if that's a, you know, that is a big question and I don't know if there is one answer, but if you could just share a little insight, because as a fellow mom and a fellow actor, I watch you and think, wow, okay, if she's doing it, I can do it. Like we're all in this together,
4: you know, and it, tr- it really you. is I, true. I feel that way as well. And I think for me like the most important thing to instill in my children is kindness and kindness towards others and respect I'm huge on manners. I'm huge on being respectful. I'm, I don't care if they graduate top. I'd love them to work hard. I don't care if they graduate top of their class. I don't care if they get straight A's, you know, they need to try their best. But the most important thing to me above all is like respecting other people. So, you know, I often speak to James about like, hey, were any kids sitting by themselves? What would you do if someone was sitting by themselves? What would you do if you saw someone alone? And he's definitely like, those are his instincts in general. He was just born that way. He's like a little nurturer. He absolutely loves taking care of his sister and, you know, will do anything for her. So I think he has that nature. And then I just kind of try and model that for his sister. And and it starts at the what they see. Right, so if they see you being respectful, if they see you using manners, they see you being kind, you giving back, then they want to do that. And I think that that's something that my parents did always as I was growing up. You know, like we can say what we want about our childhoods and the errors, errors that they made, and this, that, and the other. But like my parents were amazing at modeling, giving back, being kind, being respectful. And you know, I even talk about that in my article about guilt because I, I embrace that so much that i feel bad now anytime i'm not doing that or i'm not trying to help someone or um i am putting myself first but you know so i it's a balance i don't want to give my kids that crazy guilt complex that i have but there's just so much like darkness out there that i try to tell them you know like just be the light like be kind be good to others
3: well, you are doing that. Yeah, you're doing that. And it's true. Like even on the Internet, there's a lot of darkness, you know, and the corner by Claire is this amazing, <laughs> like little beacon of light, you know, where people can kind of tune in. And I don't want to skip over the pregnancy fashion because I'm sure people listening are like, wait a minute, you kind of mentioned it, but you didn't actually go there. So uh, for for those that are, you know, pregnant now listening or will be or plan to have another, what's your go to kind of because you you do a good job of not just wearing
4: stretchy pants. I mean, listen. Yes, hey, well, I did. I did the first time. And that's when I look back at the photos and I really regret my choices. <laughs> I'm like, why did I walk into a pee-in-the-pod maternity store and buy, <laughs> buy the whole thing? What was that? You know, because you get excited, right? It's your first time pregnant. So you're like, oh, I've got to get all the little maternity dresses and the pants. Hideous. Absolutely hideous what I was wearing the first time around. And then the second time around, it was so close together that I was like, oh, I'm not buying new stuff. I'll just wear what I have. And I put it all away because I thought I was, I think I like gave it to my sister. I gave it away because I thought I was done at two right after I had L. And then this time I was like, okay, I'm only going to wear stuff that makes me feel good. First of all, secondly, I want to be able to wear things. I want to buy things that I can wear again, even if they're bigger sizes, obviously I'm like postpartum. So I'm wearing, what am I wearing right now? Like I've, I've got like a cashmere sweater and then like a Skims dress underneath. It's like really comfy. People like sneakers, you know. I have to describe love...
3: it because this is obviously not a video podcast. So anyone listening, she's she's so cute, like parading around, showing me her belly, which is, it's adorable. No, it's absolutely adorable. She's got like this long, yes, yeah, Skims black dress, which I think you also had on the corner, which was really cute cute little cashmere sweater over the top kind of cropped you can see the belly and then the awesome Nike sneaks
4: I love pants suits as well yeah Nike sneaks and I like I love like a set like a PJ silk set something with a stretchy waistband that like works before and after I just refuse to buy those hideous maternity jeans can't do it but the like little slice out the pizza slice of like stretchy fabric i
3: i did it i did it too and here's here's the thing it's like you know it's important to take care of yourself when you are procreating and you have this other being in your body but it's also really important to feel good and do what works for you and you've figured you've definitely figured that out you really have hey guys we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back in just a minute
4: Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com
2: and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh, Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com
2: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig.
4: We're back and and what I think is like I didn't document my first two pregnancies that much because I didn't really feel good and so I didn't take pictures and I didn't want to be in pictures and this time around I was like gosh I really want to be able to like document this and have photographs of this time in my life and not be like ugh, I'm so gross I'm so this I'm so that like I'm just gonna wear what makes me feel good who knows what I'm gonna wear at like 38 weeks pregnant let's be honest but you know like it's Oversized blazers and and button downs and no, like you're going to be naked with goggles. your head in the
3: freezer. That's what you're going to be doing, and no one will judge you for it, and that's going to be totally fine. <laughs> that's what you'll be. <laughs> Speaking of documenting everything, you are the queen of TikTok, and I need you to teach oh, stop! me. No, I'm serious. I need you to teach me because I'm new to TikTok and I'm trying trying it out. And you have done such a good job.
4: I think you actually have fun on it, and that's the difference. I'm still learning I how to fun. do it. I don't take. It you know, with TikTok for me, like sometimes I feel this pressure with Instagram because I feel like it's a big part of our business, our life, our career, you know, even as an actress or, you know, it's, it's kind of seen as this asset, right? If you can maintain a good engaged following. So I find that that comes with pressure. Whereas with TikTok, I, I, I started it for fun because honestly, I at first I said I'd never do it because it, it's a rabbit hole, which it is. And I have to put a limit on it for myself because otherwise I've spent seven hours scrolling. <laughs> not, no, it will be dark out. I won't know. <laughs> my kids aren't fed. No.
3: What wormholes do you end up in? I'm curious. Cause I think that says a lot about a person.
4: <laughs> I end up in like comedian wormholes. And then the, I, I have to go back and look at my, all my liked videos because there's, this it's like a whole array of things that I would not think I don't end up on like cooking talk or whatever because like that's not my vibe. Mine's just like funny influences, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up on Bondi Madam. So this woman lives in Bondi in Australia and she's like a oh like a mistress, like a, a pro, basically. And she tells these stories about like why husbands go to her and why and obviously like that's not my vibe at all, but I was fascinated. I could not stop watching these videos." And then my husband was like, what are you doing? I'm like, she's saying my husband's cheat. Ta- I'm just... <laughs> He's like, you're unwell, Claire. <laughs> you got, you have to stop. I'm like, you're right. That's so weird. But that you get like into all these crimes, like when people dissect crimes and then I start watching them and then I find other ones. So anyway, I have to be careful about what I do on TikTok. But I, for me personally, what I post, mine's just like, just have fun. Think about nothing else but like being fun and not caring about being like putting out content that someone's going to like or engage with or like, you know, being PC or whatever. I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to have fun with it. That's what TikTok's for. And honestly, it's the best.
3: I uh, love okay. TikTok. All right. So then the lesson is just have fun because I, I'm in that stage that you were initially where like, I'm a little bit anti, but I have it and I don't know what to do with it. Just so. don't take
4: it seriously. Okay. And don't, you know, so many people like think of it as, the future and TikTok is growing and that's where everyone needs to go. So you have to put so much time and effort into it. I don't think of it like that because I can't. That's just too much pressure for me. So I just think of it as like a place where all the cool Gen Z kids live and I get to like go hang out with them for a second. And cool. It's I love amazing. that.
3: Okay, okay, virtual hang with Gen Z. I love it.
4: They'll tell you by the way. Go ask them. They'll let you know what's cool. So true. It's so true.
3: <laughs> we need to know. Let's talk evergreen. I love listening to podcasts, books on Audible, all that stuff, and this is a whole other level. It's very immersive. It's thrilling. I was listening to it at nighttime. I, we were talking off the mic before we started recording this, and I was listening at night, at night, and I'm cleaning the house a little bit. The kids are down or whatever, and it is so immersive. It sounds like someone's walking and m- doing footsteps to the right, to the left. It's behind me. I was so I had to pause for a minute. I was I was freaked out, but it was in a good way. It was it was amazing. So what do you scary story, a scary concept, yeah? But it's also believable. So it feels like you know we're not too far from that. I do I'm
4: believable as a very intelligent scientist. I feel like that's a bit of
3: a you definitely (laughs) are. Vampire scientist, you know,
4: whatever. Vampire scientist, you know, it's always like when they have actors play doctors and like give this crazy dialogue. You're like, no, I'm not buying that. Yeah, (laughs) we've all been there.
3: (laughs) But what was it like to record something like that? I know. Were you able to record from your
4: home or did you go into a studio So I was actually in L.A. at the time shooting based on a true story. And so I went into the studio there. It was the greatest thing of all time. It was probably two and a half, three days. I wore sweatpants the whole time. Nobody cared what I looked like. And it was just fun. And there was there was not all this pressure. Like, you know, when you're in a set. And there's so many people there, you feel this pressure, like, I can't mess up my line. I, ca- I have to deliver. I have to hit my mark. I have to do all these things. Like, people are counting on me. We've got a day to get, you know, we have to get 10 pages today. We don't have time for me to mess up. And so there's pressure that comes with that. Where, whereas this, you don't have any other actors. Ju- it's just you and the creators, the directors, and like a sound tech. And there's so much freedom that comes with that. You can do it a million different ways. 'Cause you just do you just repeat yourself, you say the line and you try different things. And it was just awesome. I would like if that were my career for the rest of my life, I'd be thrilled.
3: Those voiceover actors have got it
4: down. <laughs> I always used to think like, oh gosh, these people who do these Pixar movies, or like they're so smart. But now I get it. Now they're mm-hmm. like geniuses to me.
3: Mm-hmm. I remember like I auditioned for Frozen because I was a singer like, for a while and did like a Broadway show and I was so nervous and now I'm like that would have been the coolest mom gig. Are you kidding? Like I'm sorry Adina Menzel and Kristen Bell have it figured out because their kids I mean you can't get cooler than like my mom's the real Elsa you know there's just just like nothing better than that.
4: <laughs> we just need to call out to be like exclusively kid cool, cool kid projects from now on. Only. That's all we care about. <laughs> yeah. Don't even think about Sending me an Oscar movie. I've never gotten an Oscar movie on my desk ever, just to clarify, but don't even think you are going to send one to send one because I want to be in, I want to be Elsa in Frozen.
3: Elsa. No, I think that's so fun to do and so nice and relaxing to have because you are right. There's such a pressure that comes with being on set. And starting a new project and meeting, you know, there's a lot of different personalities. And you and I luckily met on a project where most of the people were really lovely, but that's not always the case. It's not always the case. And so to be able to just deal with the more creative side, just the directors and the producers and everyone who has, you know, kind of developed the project, I can imagine is a completely different experience.
4: But it's so different your character was lovely and I thought you were great. I was going to, I was going to let me play Australian, which was awesome. I went in thinking like, I wonder if they're going to let me. And it's very funny because at the start of my career, I was like, I absolutely will not play Australian. I'll only play other characters because I don't want to, you know, like put myself in a box that I'm the Australian girl or whatever. And so I used to hate when someone would ask me to like do a role in Australian accent. And then the creator, John Wynn director, came to me and was like, hey, what do you think about playing Australian Dagny. And I was like, oh, thank God you said that. First of all, there's so many bloody lines. And if I had to work on an accent as well as these lines, I think I would ruin it. Because it was a very short amount of time that I had from when I like signed onto the project to when I recorded it. And you record all nine episodes. I think it was nine. There's pregnancy brain for you at once. And so you you don't have like the time to be able to work on each episode individually. You just have to do it all. So having the Australian accent was awesome because I didn't, that wasn't another thing that I was thinking about. I could just sort of like focus on, on on the words on the page, which was really fun.
3: Can you go Australian straight into an American accent because you've done it so often? Or Yeah,
4: that's now I, it was definitely more difficult in the beginning when I first moved to America. And I remember having like a dialect coach say to me, like, go to Whole Foods and, you know, order, or get your groceries and speak in an American accent. And I always felt really lame doing that. I was like, oh, I'm being a phony. I can't do it. And so, you know, I'm sure like in my early years when I started playing American, my accent was probably pretty shitty, (laughs) but I think I've lived here so long. I'm married to an American. I've done it a lot now. And then on the Vampire Diaries, I was British. So that was a lot easier because that's very similar to Australian. And then my mum's from the UK. So...
3: Oh, wow. I didn't know your mom was from the UK. That's really cool. And so, you and your sister are very close, right? Aren't you guys like 14 yeah. months apart or something similar 15 to months. 15? Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. I remember that because my sister and I are 13. And I think that is such a special, I know, obviously it wasn't planned. And I, was not planned on your <laughs> your mom's end? Probably not. I think
4: my mom's crazy and she actually did wow. plan that. <laughs> or so she tells me.
3: But yeah. Wow. But oh it's awesome
4: being so close in age. It is. It's so cool. So is your sister living in Australia? She's in LA. So I'm the young my younger two siblings are in Australia and then my older sister lives in LA, which is so nice. So I, whenever we're there, which is not as much as I'd like anymore, we like get to hang out together. She just had a second baby.
3: Good. Oh, my gosh. That's so fun to have kids together with your siblings. Now, I, I know that people are going to get upset if we don't talk about the Vampire Diaries. And I know all we do, all we've been doing forever is talk about the Vampire Diaries. And some of these questions are going to be questions you've answered a million times. But let's
4: lean in. I'm not just fine. obviously
3: the originals, too. And, you know, I guess looking back now after so many years of this like we started so young on a show and it was a huge hit instantaneously and i would love to know looking back now would you have changed any part of the experience what are your opinions on the experience
4: at the time it's so that's such a good question because now that i'm removed from it i wish i'd been more present I wish I hadn't spent so much time going, what's next for me? When can I travel? When can I do this? Is Am I going to book a gig in my hiatus? Am I going to be able to fly back to Australia for this, that, and the other? Can I leave this weekend to go to LA to see so-and-so? Like, I I didn't feel like I really let myself experience it because I was so young and I was just thinking about other stuff. And I, I was thinking about this career that I wanted to have and what i wanted to do and that you know i i wanted to have other opportunities so i had to keep going keep striking keep auditioning and and i wasn't just sitting there going wow like this is a once in a lifetime thing like to be on a show that's this successful and to get to work with people that you genuinely love and have fun with that doesn't happen a lot and so you know there were obviously there were really hard times you work long hours and you're exhausted and you're away from family and So there were definitely parts of it that were tough. And I don't want to like minimize my experience when I struggled because I definitely struggled. I felt really lonely at times. But being removed from it now, I just have like so much gratitude for the experience. And I almost wish I'd, you know, obviously it had to happen at that time in our lives, but I almost wish I'd been older so I could just appreciate it more. Right,
3: your perspective changes as you age, and it's it's a wonderful thing. And there are so many times I think the same thing: how I wish I would have known back then what I know now.
4: You know, what do they say? Youth is wasted on the young. It's like so true. You think you think you have like you think you know everything, and you have this whole career and this whole future ahead of you. And like you know, yeah, my I was so even when I booked my first job, I moved to America, and I was like, oh yeah, of course I'm gonna work yeah, no, I'll get another job. And then I spent, I did 142 auditions before I ever got a job in America. So like it, it was so hard. And I just thought like, it's not gonna be hard. It'll be fine. And so knowing like, I just, I wish I had experience and I wish I knew like at that time, like this is not going to come around many times for you. And like, live in the moment and take pictures. Well, we didn't really take that many pictures, I guess, but, like, take photographs and, like, remember it. Right.
3: right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, social media had just started and that was also a huge factor of it, too. But it is, you know, I think it's really scary to move to a different country on your own, not knowing a ton of people. So I give you a ton of accolades for that. And then on top of that, putting yourself out there for auditions. And you were you were a very brave, young, teen and 20 something because not a lot of
4: naive, I think <laughs> naive.
3: with na- naivety comes bravery, right? Because you don't really know what you're doing. And that I think is what is so nice about your being young is the 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 fact that you just are willing to throw yourself out there. Right, it It is a
4: wild experience to think about, and I have my mom to thank for that. She definitely like now as a mother, I'm going to be going to college with my son and daughter. Like, I will be living in their dorm room. Okay, there's no way I'm shipping them to another country. (laughs) And my mom, she like put me on a plane and she said, "Go and do it. You can do it. Don't be afraid." Like, and she. I can't believe it now because I would not have the career at all that I have without her. I would not have the life I have, the husband I have, the family I have. If she hadn't said, get your ass on a plane and move to another country, you can do it. So I have so much, like, gratitude for her for that. But I don't think I could do that now. Like, if you said to me, pack one suitcase, move to a country where you know no one and figure it out, I, I'd i be like, you're crazy. There's no way. But I was... 19, you know? And I was just like, okay, uh, I'll try, (laughs) you know? Wow. Wow. Yeah, I think... On top of that, you're not only
3: just know no one and trying to meet people. You're every day putting putting yourself out there, trying to audition for something new. Which the auditioning process and the testing process is wildly difficult and a lot of pressure f- for a teenager. And so you, I mean, yeah, I really commend you for doing that. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you on the fact that you wouldn't do that for your kids because I think maybe when they're 19, you, listen, you I might have say, had enough of them by then. You, no, or you. <laughs> (laughs) I just say go you can do it and then you're on the next plane after them and you like secretly spy on them and they don't know you're there but you're there the whole time
4: (laughs) I know that's true I guess I would like to think that I will be selfless enough to do the same thing for them one day I don't know but you know in hindsight you can look back and say like it was the most amazing thing but I had these moments of like awful and I remember six months after i moved to america i remember sitting on a bus stop on sunset boulevard just bawling my eyes out like couldn't get a job didn't know what i was doing didn't have any money like i was dead broke and i i had this like volvo station wagon that rattled as i drove it had a hundred thousand miles on it the key didn't like really work so anytime i parked in a parking lot like at night i was like oh my god please someone don't kill me as i try and get in my car it was and i just remember going i can't i can't do this i can't i'm i have to go home i'm gonna like have my towel between my legs. I'm going to go back and tell everyone I didn't make it. And then I think like, maybe, maybe I will. I definitely had the support of my parents in the sense that they were like, no, keep trying, like give it a year, just stay for a year. And if that doesn't, if it doesn't happen after a year, come home, but like you're there now, just keep going. And then I think it was like right on that year mark that I booked my first job. And, and then, you know, The rest is rest is history.
3: Wow. Did you have roommates at the time or were you living alone? I did.
4: Yeah, yeah. I had roommates. I had two other roommates. One was my boyfriend at the time, who's like still my friend now, actually. He's awesome. He's really good friends with my husband as well. Another dear friend of mine. We like kind of all just randomly moved. It happened in like a week. We were like, we're all homeless. Let's move in together. And so that was kind of for the first year. And then Phoebe, she stayed with us a little bit, Phoebe Tonkin. And then we both got places across the street from where I was living, like one up, one down. So she had the apartment below. I had the apartment on top. And that was awesome because I was like, okay, my family's here now. Like, we have a little Melrose Place situation yeah, going on. Yeah, your life is a rom com. Even the bus it moment perfect. where you're crying, it's a it's a rom com moment for sure. <laughs> we'll just add a little rain it in was, there. I know it was. It, I think back now, and I'm just like, gosh, those are like the hardest times were also the most epic times. And like, right. we had some years there where that was so much fun, and and you wouldn't get to have that now, I don't think. Like with the way social media is and it was definitely starting when we started working Uh but it it didn't exist to the extent that it does now and so you could kind of like mess up a little bit and make some mistakes here and there you could get drunk at a bar and like you wouldn't have to worry that someone was going to film you and like immediately put it on their story so (laughs) I'm grateful for those times too that that we sort of got to mess up a little bit before that but yeah it, it was I mean it was fun it was hard but it was amazing so glad I did it. Hey guys,
3: we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. And we're back. Yeah. And those hard times really build character. And that's what I'm trying to remember uh, when I'm a mom is to not be the mom that cushions everything for them so that they can they don't never fall. I want them to fall, get a little dirty, figure it out, get back up, because it really is true. You see people in life who have kind of had it all done for them and they don't really know how to function. And then those people who have the bus stop moments where they're crying and saying, I can't do this, end up being the best kind of humans and, and the most capable and the most kind. And so it's just important to remember
4: that I think that's one of the hardest things as a parent to not step in and to not try and save them because you love them so freaking much and you would literally lay over train tracks for these kids like that my sometimes I look at my children I'm like oh, my heart's going to explode like I don't know how to function with this level of love and to not want to fix situations for them or save them like that's so hard but you're right it is absolutely the most important thing I tell my parents all the time now it's like A 35 year old woman what you did for me forcing me to get outside of my comfort zone and to run out of money and to do all of those things like that was the best thing you could have ever done for me
3: it's so true I remember one time being like okay I can either buy toothpaste or (laughs) bread so like which is it like do I want like you know and those those decisions are like it's and i remember it being like a pivotal decision of like okay which one can i do and those moments in life are so important because that's that makes you who you are and listen i'm the first one that wants to wrap my kids in bubble wrap and then send them away that's all i want them to wear because that way they're they're completely safe and they're good and nothing will happen to them but i you know the scrapes and the they're they're the, their battle scars and it's important so
4: they got to they got to pick if like they got to buy the eggs and the rice or the cheap food like you've got to build that Character, I think. Like, what? What can I? I ate so many eggs in those, like, that first year. Cereal and eggs. That's what I lived on. Because it's like eggs are
3: healthy. They're protein. They're not uh, that expensive. And you're just like you they don't, can do it yeah, in different really ways. Right now, right? Oh, right now, then they weren't then. <laughs> now they are. It's crazy. It was cheap
4: then. Don't it's, even get us I started. I remember Phoebe and I actually we were in Target and we we ju- I don't know if we were like trying to figure out something for our apartment or whatever. And I remember they had these H two O dolls there. And we could not afford to buy them we, we were like broke <laughs> looking at these these dolls we were like you can't buy your own doll doesn't <laughs> add up here like i think it was 24 bucks or maybe like something and i was like we can't that's not in our budget today to buy the doll on the shelf so it's really it was a funny experience it was a it was amazing i really like i hope that it's, it's what i think about every day like how do i raise like good kids who know the value of hard work and like who earn their own money and you know there's that funny tiktok right now about like how did she pay for the trip it's not her due. (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't want kids that are like that i don't want that So (laughs) yeah,
3: instantly it turns summer and everyone's on a yacht and you're like, all of you cannot afford to be on a yacht. We know that. So like what's going on here? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we have just a few listener questions, nothing big, but obviously when I posted that you were coming on, it blew up socials. Everyone was really excited, really sweet. A lot of people want to know about baby names. And if you have any baby names yet, you don't have to share if you have it, if you're not sharing, but
4: just, you know, talk about that a little bit. We have what we like, however, I'm so, superstitious about like naming the kid before it comes so we're kind of like trying it out and testing it but i don't like giving them a name like officially until i see them so i had that with james now like i had their names that i really liked i had i think maybe like one or two other alternatives in case when they came out i was like okay you're a james okay you're a Nell. that's gonna work Where, But, like, I've heard these stories of people, like, having a name and getting everything embroidered and, like, doing all the stuff and then being like, oh, you do not look like a violet. (laughs) So I think that, yeah, we, I think maybe we have a name in, like, but also when he comes out, I'm going to like, it's interesting. We
3: had that experience with our son Jones because he came two months early. He was a little preemie baby. And so he was in the NICU for a little over five weeks. And so we were initially going to name him Charlie. We love the name Charlie. We thought it was so cute. We were really into it. And, so and we have our daughter poppy so we were like poppy charlie it's really cute and then he was born and he was three pounds and he was so tiny and it felt we were holding him with all the wires and all the everything i mean it was the worst experience it was really really difficult and so as we're holding him we looked at each other and we said he is not he needed a name with strength he needed a name names a strong name to get him through and we had loved jones for a very long time and so we kind of looked at each other and it was just it was instantaneous like no he's Jones that's it. and he so I feel like he kind of chose it to be honest he definitely wasn't Charlie so definitely have a backup just because he,
4: he didn't want to be Charlie
3: yes <laughs> he was like oh I hate that name
4: he's it's like just it's a terrible day <laughs> I'm gonna go and surprise my parents yes yeah, so I need a backup we have like I want to say like two or three backups but I you know we'll see, we'll see. you just never know I I think the same, and then I also think like the kid also makes the name right like you get to know them and they grow and you're like oh, i couldn't imagine you as anything else and or they have like a crazy nickname like l we call her chook which is oh, had no. nothing to do with l <laughs>
3: does that mean anything in australia is there a meaning for that it means chicken
4: chicken so, and so she but she thinks that's her name i mean she will tell if you like it, are in a school setting or something she'll say my name is l madeline but if you, if you go out and you just meet someone in the park, she's telling them she's Chuck. Chuck, Oh, I love
3: her. She's amazing. What a personality.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. She's very, very funny.
3: Okay. So then everyone wants to know, this question you get asked a lot. So it might be something that you're re-answering. But what is the one of the single most inspiring experience for you as an actor? And it doesn't necessarily need to be a job. It can be a moment, you know, like your bus stop moment or something like that where or even watching a film or being inspired by a performance or just
4: something that is inspiring to you? You know, I did a show that not that many people watched, to be honest, that I absolutely loved called Aquarius. And that was, I think that was like maybe 2014, 15. And I worked with David Duchovny, who is like a very esteemed actor. He's unbelievable. And I remember watching him do like, I think it was like an eight page scene and he did not mess up one line. And it was this interrogation scene and he walked right in. And, you know, he's a genius in general, like Ivy League College, like very smart guy. But he never acted that way or was like acted like he were better or smarter than any of the other actors. But he walked in and did this scene. And I remember being like, holy shit, how do you do that? And he was like, well, if I were in like a sorkin movie and I had to nail every single word, I don't think I'd be able to do it. But like I know what I'm saying. And I remember looking at him and going, like, oh, okay, you know what you're saying. Like you and after that, I was like, that's how I want to sort of go forward as an actor, you know, with the freedom of like, I know what I'm saying. And It, it just, it was so inspiring to me to, to see someone like a pro like that work. And and the other thing about it was like, he was always just so nice. I just really loved working with him and he was fun to be around. And, and so I went, okay, if you can be nice and fun to be around and you can also be that good, like that's, that's what I'm like hoping to get to. So I it's really cool when you see like the greats. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool when you see the really talented, like actors who've had this enormous career with such longevity and like range it's awesome to watch them work because you you, there's there's a reason right Uh uh-huh
3: absolutely there's always a reason and i think to see someone who's worked for so long consistently and not be jaded by the industry and not come in you know all grumpy and what
4: I that is fantastic i kind of find that more with with people who like hit it quick there's that like sense of entitlement that kind of comes sometimes in my experience with that and the ones who like I remember David saying like he did something like 200 auditions before he got his first job so I think the people who have like worked really hard for it and then understand like that it can be taken away in five seconds those are the ones who you want to like follow around and study because they get it mm-hmm. oh that's
3: so that's fantastic. Well, you know, we have a lot of younger listeners on this podcast who really look up to you and admire you. Do you have any last tidbit of advice for them as when it comes to life in general? Because I think, you know, directionally challenged, a lot of people put this on because they're looking for guidance and they may be in that part of their life where they're trying to figure out what's next. Right. And we've all been through that. There's a lot of moments in life where we're like, mm, there's
4: multiple paths to take. How do we know which one's the right way? just you know that's my advice and you don't have to know and there is no right way and I think like I'm still learning that and I've come to terms with that as I've gotten older I don't have to know what my future looks like at every second I don't have to know what my job's going to be in six months or in a year like the most important thing is being present being grateful and like holding on to what I have in this moment because nothing's guaranteed right and so I, I think that there's so much pressure on young people to know what they're doing and and know which college they want to go to and what career they want and what path they want. And like I've changed so many times. I've done so many different things. I know I know many people who've changed career over the course of like the different decades. And so I think like taking that pressure away and just like following your passion and and being a good person and working hard and being kind, like that is going to lead you where you're meant to be.
3: That is such great advice. And it is so true. We've interviewed so many people on this podcast, highly successful. And most of them have had a pivot in their career, a multiple pivots and times where they've just realized, nope, not going in that direction, going to go here. And it's so brave. And so thank you for coming on today and being with us and sharing with us. We highly recommend Evergreen for anyone listening. If you want to you want to listen to Claire, be this incredibly astute uh, scientist, go for it. And it's the world's ending. It's really crazy.
4: (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It was really, really had to act for that one. (laughs) because It does not come naturally to me. No, it was really fun. I hope that people listen and like it. It's actually like one of the top fiction podcasts, I think, on Spotify. So people seem to be enjoying it.
3: They definitely do. I'm one of them listen listen to it and also huge hug to you if we were together i would kiss your little belly just like your little kids and good luck this is going to be a wonderful thing and i'm going to watch you with your third kid and you're Can't probably you gonna have help kid. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we'll see we'll see uh thanks all right we'll love you thanks for joining me <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what her baby name is going to be because Elle and James are so good. I'm sitting here thinking you guys have to DM me on Instagram. Let me know what you think, because I'm so excited for her. She was the most adorable pregnant woman. I, I guess we seem to just love her pregnant and ask her to come on while she's pregnant because she's just so much fun and so lovely and positive. And I definitely think she has it all figured out. And if you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did, we have another great one coming for you next week. Until then, take care. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions, hosted by me, Kayla Yule. Produced by Melissa DeMonts and Diamond Imprint Productions. Editing by Diane Kang. Post-production sound by Coco Lawrence. And production assistance by Melanie D. Watson.